Wednesdays with Walden and a chance to visit with Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. A lot to get into as we are fairly close to opening day. We're not that far away, a few weeks away, and there's some unanswered questions for the Cardinals in their camp. As always, this is presented by Blue Tail Medical Group. Great option before surgery. Think about the good folks at Blue Tail Medical Group, proud sponsor of Scoops with Danny Mac. And you can find out more at bluetailmedicalgroup.com. Hey, Brian, good morning to you. How are things going? Great, Dan, and uh, happy almost birthday. I know it's the time of year you and I both uh, celebrate having uh, survived another year. Yes, uh, it's been uh, one hell of a year, hasn't it? It has, indeed. <laughs> but hey, we're, like you said, we're getting close to regular season and and uh, fans back in the stands, and that's a darn good thing. It is. It's a great thing. Um, let's start with the rotation and the camp battle for the fourth or the fifth spot. Where do you think this thing is going right now with John Gant, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Carlos Martinez, maybe some of the others that are in this conversation? Where do you think this thing goes? Well, there was some good news uh, from Mike Schilt yesterday morning. He told us that uh, – K.K. Kim came out well from his 90-foot throwing on Monday and that uh, on Tuesday he was going to move up to 120 feet and they'll take it from there. Now, that's not saying that he can be ready for the regular season, but Schilt believed that Kim could get back to where he was uh, without too much effort because he's, he's only missed about a week or so so far. In the case of Miles Michaelis, uh, he had a medical review. They're encouraged with that. They're going to get his arm moving soon, although we didn't say when. So, you know, you've got to think right now probably those guys won't be ready for the regular season, but maybe there's a shot they can come along uh, fairly soon. The good news is, as you said, the Cardinals have qualified candidates, a number of qualified candidates, with it appears to be John Gant and Daniel Ponce de Leon in the lead. Which one is ahead of the other right now, not totally clear, but not sure that it matters. I, I think John Gant has had the opportunity, he's had the desire ever since he joined the Cardinals, to, to be a starter, and he's getting the opportunity now to throw more innings to use more of his stuff. And, you know, the challenge with Ponce de Leon has been the same from day one, and it's never changed. And that is he has to be more efficient because otherwise, you know, he's going to be a four- or five-inning pitcher. And, unfortunately, that hasn't changed yet, although certainly Daniels had some good outings this spring. How do you think they approach these off days? They're going to have four, you know, right off the bat. I think it's like the first 20 for, uh, 21, 22 days of the regular season and they're talking about innings. Every team is going to be concerned about innings and getting through 162 after the short season last year. How do you think they approach dealing with these off days coming up? Well, Mike uh, Schultz mentioned that as well uh, yesterday morning, and what he said, and I was a little surprised by it, he said he, that he really likes the four days on, one day off schedule, and he was talking about that with Mo, with John Mazalock, you know, to see maybe whether that might be something that they could lobby for to continue in the future. And Schultz's logic was, you know, during the grind of spring training games every day, sometimes you don't have a chance to take a breath with all the players in camp and to work on things that they've identified. And by doing what they've done this year, which, for example, uh, yesterday was to have a B game in which uh, there was uh, five innings played and uh, set defenders and guys who needed to get extra bats out at bats. And so it kind of gives them more of an opportunity in camp to have a longer period where they're actually uh, reinforcing learning rather than just playing games. In terms of Alex Reyes, a couple of days ago, he got the final three outs of the game uh, against Washington and picked up a save. He has been sensational 
uh, Brian, in this camp. He hasn't allowed a run. He hasn't walked anybody, which is really an issue when I think about Alex Reyes. I want to see consistency in the strike zone. They've mentioned 100 innings. They want him to start next year, not this year. Um, how do you think this this plays out with getting innings totals up but yet using him in high-leverage situations, which then also at some point in time this year could include maybe closing some games out? Yeah, and the closing thing is kind of the, the main question because a guy of Reyes's talent, you'd like to think if he's not starting, then he's going to be in your highest-leverage opportunities, and those are in the ninth inning. And Schultz was asked about that, and his comment was, yes, Alex Reyes has mentality, he has the stuff to close. But so does so does Gio, so does Cabrera, so does Helsley, and of course Jordan Hicks, who we saw make his first debut uh, on Sunday, and uh, you know he looked like he was ready to be thrown back in it too. So you know it looks like the Cardinals are going to go with a closing committee, or at least multiple pitchers available to throw the ninth inning. But this is really a testament to the team's depth, just as the fact that you know how many major league teams could be potentially missing two starters and have guys the quality of Gannon and Ponce de Leon to step in for. For Alex specifically, though, where you were going, you know, my my personal hope was, gee, 100 innings, maybe they start him, you know, in this high-leverage bullpen role, but if things go haywire in the middle of the season and, you know, more guys go down in the rotation, you know, if he's got enough bullets left, then you, maybe you start him in the second half of the system in, season and you work him up toward that ultimate goal, which is to pitch in the starting five in 2022. Yeah, that would be interesting if they do that. What do you think about Edmundo Sosa, Jose Rondon, and, and John Nagowski and some of these battles for that final spot uh, or two on the bench for the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, you know, really the roster seems fairly set. Um but the, the backup infielder position, which, of course, was vacated by Brad Miller, uh, who, left, who left the club as a free agent, is an interesting one because Jose Rondon, who's a well-traveled guy, 27 years old, you know, has been in multiple organizations, but he you know, hit pretty well in AAA for the White Sox last year. And if you look at the leaderboard of you know, the Cardinals hitters in camp this year, you know, Rondon is right up near the top. He's shown some good pop, driven in runs in good situations, been able to take walks. Uh, came up originally as a shortstop, but also is very competent at second base as well. And, you know, he has that proven, more proven factor that Edmundo Sosa doesn't. But, of course, if the Cardinals put Sosa on waivers, um, and by the way, Sosa's like one for 11, I think, this spring. So he, is, he yeah. not only hasn't had, as much, hasn't had as much opportunity, but he also hasn't done anything with it either. So, you know, the Cardinals could decide to risk putting Sosa on waivers and, and see what happens and, and give the job to Rondon. I think if they had to break camp today, that's what would happen. Uh, interesting, the rule changes that are, are going to be used at different levels of the minor leagues. I'm open-minded to this. I think we have to do this to engage the younger fan, whether you're old school or not. This is just something that we have to do. Some of them I like. Some of them I'm, I'm, I'm wait and see. What, what do you think about some of these rule changes that are being proposed in the minor leagues? I think that Overall, that this is one of the positives because you've heard me, listeners have heard me be sort of negative about M- uh, MLB taking over MILB. Yeah. But one of the positives of that is that these potential rule changes can actually be tried out in the minor leagues and, and, and experiment with it and get learning and decide whether they make sense or they don't before they are brought to the big time. So, for example, increasing the size of the bases. I didn't, I didn't remember the bases were 15 by 15 inches, and now they're going to go to 18 by 18. Probably won't notice when we're watching, but the view is that, the intent is that 
with six more inches, uh, you know, cut between the bags, maybe we'll see more stealing. Maybe we'll see more excitement because the studies that Major League Baseball have done with fans that the stolen bases is considered one of the most exciting plays in the game. And it's something that, you know, when there's guys like Yadier Molina around, you know, the stolen bases have become less and less important than they did, say, back in the Whitey Ball days. I like it. Um, I I think it's good. I think we need to see action in the game. What about uh, with the shift and not shifting, or at least keeping the the cleats on the dirt of the infield? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Although you know we've seen the change over the years, where a second baseman, you know, Colton Wong is basically a short fielder, right, and was in right because he could play so deep. He had the range and and the the data that was available uh, enabled teams to you know defend players like a Matt Carpenter by putting all those players on, on one side of the infield. It feels like that might be a little extreme uh, to say both feet have to be on the dirt, but they're going to try it. And the, another thing that they may try in the second half is to enforce at least two players on either side of second base at all times, which basically you know really limits you now. So you know, I think that may be a little strong, but you know, we'll have to see, see what happens. Uh, another change we're talking about is the pitcher has to – step completely off the rubber before throwing any base. And I, I think it was maybe Brad that you were talking about with that, or Ricky, I, can't, I think it was Brad, you know, saying, you know, that, that's going to require some guys to really, really change their approach. And, and so keeping runners close is going to be much more difficult with that uh, particular rule in place. But, again, it's one where you can see both sides of, of the argument. I've seen the pitch clock in the Arizona Fall League. I think players adjust very quickly to this. I think it's something that's good. It's going to be used – uh, at one of the levels, I can't remember exactly where, I think a lower level uh, of the minor leagues. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's in the low A West. Um, and they're going to, as you said, they're going to use the timers between pitches, between innings, and for pitching changes. And as you correctly noted, that's been tried in the Arizona Fall League. And it pretty much, and I, you know, I attended a number of uh, Arizona Fall League games where this was going on. And other than you kind of catch the clock out of the corner of your eye, it, there was no noticeable uh, impact. So I think that's that's a good one. The other thing that's uh, being looked at in what's called the low A Southeast League, but think of it as the Florida State League, basically where the, the Palm Beach Cardinals play, uh, they're going to try the automatic ball strike system. Right. And the reason that they're doing it in that league is because they're using the major league parks where the technology is installed to do that. In fact, they were going to do that last year until the, the minor league season ended. And, you know, the, the automated ball strike thing is one that is, causes a lot of emotion uh, with traditionalists in the game. But I'm of a mind to say that, you know, in 2021, you know, it's time to, to give that a, a, a more a stronger shakeout, a more long, a longer shakeout, and see if it, in fact, can be advantage in the future. What other camp battles are you looking at as uh, this thing is starting to wrap up? It, kind of the dog days of spring training, but any other camp battles that intrigue you or anything else stand out for you, uh, maybe even with some of the minor league players, like a Nolan Gorman yesterday well, playing at second base? Yeah, Nolan Gorman uh, played second base yesterday in the, uh, in the B game that the Cardinals had, played the entire game at second base. Uh, talk with us afterward was, uh, you know, very, very enthused. He says he's ready to play in regular games. Uh, he doesn't know how he's going to be used during the regular season. Uh, you know, it, for Gorman, the question will be, you know, will he get sent to the alternate camp or will he stay down in Florida and get more work out? I, my guess is the latter, but don't know. But either way, I think the Cardinals are going to give Nolan Gorman more and more time at second base this year. And when his bat says he's ready, he'll be up. But in terms of camp battles, I want to come back to one of the names that you mentioned before that I didn't get to talk about. And that's John Nagowski. Yeah. Um, you know, 
we, we knew John Nagowski when he came to the Cardinals as a free agent from Oakland a few years ago was a plus defensive first baseman, a guy with a great eye at the plate, um, but didn't have the prototypical power for a first baseman. That's what we're seeing this spring in spades. You know, he's making every play, making strong, you know, spectacular plays for a guy of his size, um, you know, driving in key runs uh, with his hits, is a guy that you just wish could play some outfield. And, you know, Schultz's been asked about it multiple times, and Nagowski's ready to do it, but the problem is, as we all know, the Cardinals already are trying to get a number of other outfielders through their test to decide, you know, which ones are keepers. So Nagowski's another guy that, you know, you'd hope maybe the Cardinals will try him in the outfield in uh, the minor leagues this year to give him a better chance to make the roster as a, as a utility-type player rather than a first-base-only guy. Because this year, with no designated hitter, it really closes off, you know, avenues for guys like him. TheCardinalNation.com, you have your prospect guide out right now. So if you're watching these games, the various outlets that are carrying uh, the spring training games, it's a great follow to learn more about these players that maybe you don't know about. So what's the best way to get the Cardinal Nation prospect guide? Yeah, uh, 259 pages, uh, lots of color photos, lots of data, lots of information about players, about their tools, about pitch offerings. So you can go really deep uh, in wanting to understand what makes these players special? What makes them the best prospects in the Cardinal system? How soon we think they're going to reach the majors? What their ultimate role may be? Tons of history information. So come to the CardinalNation.com. Right in the top menu bar, you'll see uh, 2021 Prospect Guide. You can click on that. You can read testimonials. You can see the table of contents. Uh, I guarantee you, you know, if you're willing to, to buy it, you'll be pleased with, with what you get in return. And it's available both in printed book form as well as PDF form and uh, you order it, we'll get it out that day or, or no later than the next day. I use it every single game on Fox Sports Midwest. It's a valuable guide for me, and it's a great source of information. And that's all at thecardinalnation.com. Hey, Brian, always love our visits on Wednesday, and we'll catch up next week. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And as always, we're presented by Blue Tail Medical Group. Blue Tail Medical Group. And go to bluetailmedical.com.